Center for Parent Youth Understanding and the CPYU Podcast Network, you're listening to The Word in Youth Ministry, a podcast by youth workers for youth workers, where we give insights, strategies, and helps for effectively teaching God's Word to our students. Here we are on episode 28 of the Word and Youth Ministry podcast. I'm Kyle. I'm the pastor of student ministry at Old North Church in Canfield, Ohio. And I'm here, as always, with my friends Matt and Linda. Linda, how are you doing today in Orlando, Florida? Doing pretty well. And Linda, as uh, this is going to be released likely um, likely in May, uh, summer is approaching. What are you most looking forward to about youth ministry this summer? Or what is one thing that you are looking forward to with youth ministry this summer? Hmm. Uh, you know, in the summer, we get to slow things down a bit, and we're actually purposely going to slow it down even a little bit more than last summer, which leaves us a lot of time to just do relational ministry with students. And I awesome. love having more time for that. Yeah, I think that we could probably do a whole episode on that of the sense of as youth workers, we likely um, have a lot in our schedules. And, and I know summertime, I enjoy to be able to take students to different things. Uh, there's an amusement park that I don't really love called Cedar Point, but our students love it. And so we'll be going and it's good to schedule things throughout the summer, but it's good also just to be together. And it's mm. good to spend time. We have time some amusement and, parks down here. Yeah, you do have some amusement parks down there. <laughs> I will say, I think my favorite, my favorite roller coaster is at Cedar Point, which is right up by Lake Erie here in Ohio. It's called Millennium Force. And I was just talking to a student yesterday. You know, I don't really mind heights. I don't really mind that type of thing. But I just always have this feeling when you're going up and you can look out over Lake Erie that like if we got stuck right now, like, I mean, you're not even upside down. Like if you got stuck right there, like I would I would freak out. Um, But we'll find out this summer because I'll be riding it with students. Matt, what are you looking for? What does your student ministry look forward to as summer is approaching? Um, Well, we. I'm just going to not answer that question um, and talk about what I want to talk about. Is that okay, Kyle? (laughs) Matt, you can say whatever you'd like. (laughs) No, we just got done with uh, Fiesta. So that's kind of what's been on our minds recently. So Fiesta is like uh, a week and a half of of Mardi Gras here in San Antonio, only a little bit more friendly, uh, family friendly, Hmm. um, but a lot of fun. And this year, the parade route got uh, rerouted. And so it actually went right by our church building on two sides of our church building kind of turned around us. And so what we were able to do um, was buy a ton of chairs and set those chairs up and people would buy tickets. Um, there's hundreds of thousands of people that come in for these parades. And uh, so our, our church building was kind of like this epicenter of all of these different people from all around the city coming and, and hanging out. And it was a, it was just a blast. So, so pe- people bought tickets to sit in the chairs? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's kind of, that's how it works around here. So the San Antonio Fiesta Commission um, gives you the right to sell chairs on the streets of San Antonio. And so uh, different fundraising organizations do that. So we made a, a bunch of money um, for our summer camps. So that's my connection to summer. Fiesta uh, fundraising was able to give us a ton of money to send our kids to RYM in uh, Colorado and, and Texas. That's awesome because I think that fundraising is such a part of youth ministry that many of us, we talk about and we do, but it's fun when, when people can look forward to that because it's for an event that people like. So today we are here episode 28, thinking about teaching the Bible specifically uh, to middle school and high school students. And we're going to think about the book of Jonah today. Now, likely um, we're not recommending to teach the whole book of Jonah at one time. Although I would recommend uh, there is 
um, a book called Promises Made, and then there's a companion volume, Promises Kept. Uh, Mark Dever preached a sermon on each book of the Bible, um, and so it's a, it's a pretty amazing thing to read. Um, he did that to his church, Capitol Hill Baptist Church. We're not recommending necessarily you do that to your students, but today we want to talk about as we would teach the book of Jonah and parts of the book of Jonah to students, um, how we would think about it and process and how we would actually teach it to them. So we're going to start out here. Matt is going to read a few verses for us, and then Linda is going to give us a little context that would be helpful for us to think about if we're going to teach it to students. So Matt, get us started off, and then Linda will follow. Yeah, so I'll read a couple of uh, different verses in a, in a few chapters, and I'll call them out. So this is Jonah 1.1. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Rise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went on board to go with him to Tarshish and away from the presence of the Lord. And then, of course, Jonah gets thrown into the sea because he's going the wrong way. And then the word of the Lord comes again to him in Jonah 3, uh, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. So this time Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. And so as he's calling out against it, uh, verse 6 says, the word reached the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, sackcloth and sat in ashes. So he starts repenting, and finally in 4.1, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry. Yeah, so one of the things that I have pointed students to when I've taught through this, um, this is a place where it's helpful to have a little historical context, right? So you see right off the bat, this command for Jonah to go to Nineveh and call out against it. And there's two very small things you can learn about Nineveh in the beginning. Number one, it's a great city. And number two, apparently it's evil, right? Now, students probably won't come into lessons knowing that much about Nineveh, and so this is where I walk them through a little bit of something. Um, Nineveh was a huge city by ancient standards, and it was part of the Assyrian Empire, which was one of Israel's great enemies, and it was very evil. It was known for torturing its enemies. Uh, so there's a quote um, that I'm taking from Tim Keller's book on Jonah that gives some color to just how evil this city was. Um, it's a little bit of a lengthy quote, but I think it's really helpful um, when I've used it with students. So Tim points out, uh, Assyria was one of the cruelest and most violent empires of ancient times. Assyrian kings often recorded the results of their military victories gloating of whole plains littered with corpses and of cities burned completely to the ground. There was one emperor um, that was well known for depicting torture, dismembering and decapitations of enemies in grisly detail on large stone relief panels. Assyrian history is as gory and blood curdling a history as we know. After capturing enemies, the Assyrians would typically cut off their legs and one arm leaving the other arm and hand so they could shake the victim's hand in mockery as he was dying. They forced family, uh, they, they forced friends and family members to parade with the decapitated heads of their loved ones elevated on poles. They pulled out prisoners' tongues and stretched their bodies with ropes so they could be flayed alive and their skins displayed on city walls. They burned adolescents alive. 
those who survived the destruction of their cities were fated to endure cruel and violent forms of slavery. The Assyrians have been called a terrorist state. And so I just point out to students, hey, when it says their evil has come up before me, we can gloss over that pretty quickly, but that's what it's talking about. Yeah, I think that's super helpful for our students because when they read, you know, that it was evil, they might be thinking about, you know, someone they know who is evil or someone they know in history who is evil. But I like how you said that, Linda, that gives us color to understand what's actually happening. Uh, Matt, as we've been uh, doing these episodes, usually every other episode talking about different books of the Bible, you, you usually help us and our listeners know more context. you have anything you want to add to that um, on the book of Jonah? Man, I think, uh, yeah, I think Linda captured it really well with that quote. Um, I suppose you don't need to tell your students that this is the 8th century BC, that the, the bloodthirstiness of the Assyrians um, is actually not normal in the ancient Near East. Um, of course, there were empires, and of course, um, there, were, there, were, there was torture, and there were bad things that happened, but um, they are the worst of some of those other empires, which were a little bit more judicious. I mean, the Persians, you know, for instance, wanted to be a king of kings. They were okay with having you know, they, you know, Cyrus sent Judah, the Israelites or the, uh, the Jews back to Israel or Jerusalem because it was okay for him to have vassal states. And most of the places in that period, time period, and the empires in that time period um, were fine as long as you paid homage to the main empire. So as Linda was saying, this is just an exceedingly evil, uh, evil place. And Matt, uh, not to put you on the spot, but to put you on the spot, because I think it'd be helpful for our listeners. Can you just remind us and our listeners why it is helpful to explain the context to our students and not just dive in and just teach about why is it, why would you tell someone it's helpful to at least spend a little bit of time teaching context? Yeah, in, in this case, particularly, I think there is, there's almost the greatness of the evil is turned up to 11 in the book so that the greatness of God's mercy is turned up to 11 as well. So in, in, in highlighting the context, you, can, you really can get your head around why Jonah would flee from a direct word of the Lord. Um, because these guys have been so terrible. They've had campaigns against Israel in the north for an, a long period of time uh, until finally overtaking Samaria and, and the, the northern kingdom. And uh, they've been terrible. They've been awful. And so you would expect God to bring his wrath and judgment down. A great evil should bring a great wrath. And yet the whole book is about how a great evil brings the great mercy of God. Yeah, what a great reminder, even just for us, as we're recording this right now, thinking about uh, the death and resurrection of Christ and celebrating Easter now that when we're recording that, you know, if we were to diminish the sin, the weight of our sin, we diminish what Jesus actually accomplished on the cross through his death and resurrection. And we always want to be uh, teaching our students that. So let's, let's think, let's transition a little bit and think about the structure of the book. Um, I know, uh, I just, uh, one of the first books of the Bible I taught through was Jonah. When I was a college student, uh, the youth pastor at my church asked me to teach it to the high school students. And I was so excited. Uh, but I, I didn't realize at the time I actually, he was just hoping, uh, that I would teach for him so he could take the summer off of teaching, but that was okay. I was, I was a hungry college student who wanted to teach the word of God. And I would just encourage our listeners, you know, Jonah is a book of the Bible that can be broken down in many different ways, but sometimes we don't need to overcomplicate it. So some people might teach this one chapter at a time. There's four chapters. It splits up well. When I teach it, I like to um, I like to break it down into five weeks. 
because I like to take um, just the first three verses that Matt read there in the beginning as just the first week, because it was a very clear application for students um, that God gave Jonah a very clear command and Jonah put his desire over top of God's desire. So we see pride there in one to three. Then I usually would teach the rest of chapter one, focusing on how usually we look at the fish as a sign of God's wrath. But really what Jonah deserved was to die. So actually the fish was a sign of God's grace to him. Um, and the prayer in chapter two, the second chance that God gives Jonah in chapter three, and then chapter four being um, chapter four being uh, Jonah's heart not lining up with um, the heart of God. And we see the need for the gospel. Um, but I know as we think about this, uh, Linda, in our notes for this episode, I know one thing that you had there is just um, seeing two different sets um, as we break down this, can you just explain for our listeners how you might think about that? Yeah, so I have broken this down into six different lessons before, just because a number of the commentaries I was looking at pointed out that there's really kind of two sets of three episodes, and they're really running parallel to each other. So this was how I broke it down, was that the first episode was when God calls Jonah to go to Nineveh and Nineveh or and Jonah disobeys. The second episode is Jonah is interacting with the sailors. The third episode is God delivers Jonah and Jonah is grateful for that. And then you start the second set and in, and you see God calls Jonah again, but instead of Jonah disobeying, he obeys this time. Episode 5, Jonah is interacting not with the sailors but with the Ninevites. In episode six, God delivers the Ninevites and Jonah's not grateful, he's mad. And so I think there's just some interesting things you can point out to students when you go through it that way. Um, but that was a way I saw in a lot of um, the commentaries I was looking at. And honestly, the, the summer that I wrote um, studies for this, we needed six lessons. So it worked out perfectly. Yeah, I think that uh, even just as you say that, you know, we kind of laugh that like we need, you know, you needed six lessons. So we were there. Um, it's just a reminder that, you know, structure is important because the structure is like the skeleton, the bones that help hold everything. But it is OK, I, you know, I think to give permission um, to youth workers that like if you need to fill time, like it's OK to go slow or other times it's helpful to go fast. Right. That um, I think students can learn uh, from going through a book of the Bible quickly. Um, or they can learn from going slowly, but um, sometimes in the church, we sometimes feel like every lesson needs to have, you know, have an introduction, three points, conclusion, done, and that can be helpful, but when teaching students variety, um, variety is helpful also. Um, Matt, as you have thought about teaching this to students in the past and even now, um, what are some other things that come to mind here in these, uh, these four chapters in the book of Jonah? Yeah, there, there's just, there's a lot of surprising irony in this book, I think. And uh, one of the things that we see, you know, for instance, the, uh, the sailors are much more noble than Jonah is. Jonah is fleeing away from his God. He's asleep in a boat. And, uh, and then he knows that the, that the problem, um, that there's this great, God hurls this great tempest uh, upon the boat. And he knows that he's the one who has caused this to happen. And they're all crying out and asking him to pray. And, and he tells them, well, throw me in. And they don't want to do it because there's something noble about even these pagans, these outsiders. And, um, and so, so the image of God in these noble seamen is contrasted with this man who's a prophet who really should be noble and good. And yet he's just frustrated with God, like in the entire book. 
uh, even when he does the right thing, he kind of does it begrudgingly. Yeah. And that irony, again, like you said, it just comes up again and again and again, because we see it even later in the book. Um, and one of the verses you read earlier, chapter four, verse one, uh, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly. And he was angry. If I was teaching that to students, I would just encourage our listeners. That would be a great chance. As long as the setting isn't that it's just a um, a sermon that you're, you're the one talking, but if it's a dialogue opportunity, I would have them talk to the person or people next to them. Do you think Jonah was right to be angry? I would have them answer. We'd work down through here. And then we would see in verse four of chapter four. And the Lord said, do you do, do you do well to be angry? So it would just be an opportunity to get the students to be thinking. And then to realize that the irony here is Jonah was angry over something God did. And then God questioned, um, questioned why he was angry, um, why he was angry there. Um, Linda, I was thinking uh, as we move on here and just continue uh, to think about this, uh, as you're teaching this to students, are there any ways, um, Jonah is a story that a lot of people are familiar with, right? From the time, I feel like um, there's probably, uh, I'm trying to think, uh, a church that I attended when I was younger, I think in the nursery, you know, there's a, there's a picture maybe of a fish on the wall. And like Jonah is this like this story that a lot of us get little like butterflies in our stomachs thinking about, but like, how do you help students, whether it's here in Jonah or another book of the Bible, how do you help students realize just the intensity and the reality um, of what the Bible's teaching and that like, this is actually a fish that swallowed a man? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, when I've taught on the parts of the story where you see the description of, you know, Jonah going into the sea and how he describes it in his prayer and all this stuff. I, I really have the students slow down and think through, Hey, what would that have felt like? Mm. You know, how overwhelming would that have been? Um, and all, all of that so that they really can kind of start to put themselves in the story some and, um, kind of what we've been talking about too, just getting them to relate to that idea of uh, Jonah is not all that crazy to us when we think about what the uh, Assyrians were like, like none of us probably would have wanted to do um, what Jonah was called to do. And it's not surprising to me either that Jonah was angry that they, um, they were able to avoid judgment, you know, because if someone is an enemy to me in with that intensity, the ways that we just, um, you know, we're talking about the Assyrians, like, man, it it would bother me too. um, If they got away with it, essentially, which is probably what it felt like to Jonah. And so there's just a lot of ways that we can put ourselves in Jonah's shoes Um, And that, I think, helps students to really understand the point of the whole story, because they may be familiar with the book of Jonah, and they may think the basic message is like, okay, so like Jonah disobeyed at first, and he was punished for that. And then God gave him a second chance, and he obeyed and like, hey, it it worked because the Ninevites repented. But that really kind of leaves out chapter four. Mm-hmm. Um, in chapter four, you know, is where you see the Ninevites repent and Jonah is upset about it. And then he just has this interaction with the, the Lord where the Lord, you know, it ends in a question, um, inviting him to join the Lord in compassion. And, 
you know, the same question is kind of presented to us in the book of, can we also have compassion for those that um, we really don't want to have compassion for? Um, I think the more the students can put their, um, put themselves in Jenna's shoes and in these little ways throughout the book, that helps them um, really kind of feel what's going on in this book. Yeah, thanks for saying that, Linda, because I think that probably Jonah chapter four is one of the most skipped over chapters when we're teaching uh, when we're teaching the Bible that a lot of people know the front end of Jonah. They know that Jonah sinned. They knew that he got thrown overboard. He got swallowed. He got spit out. He went and did what he was supposed to do. But chapter four is normally forgot about. And if we skip chapter four, we skip a very clear description of a foreshadowing of the gospel in, in Jonah chapter four, verse two, where it says Jonah prayed to the Lord, O Lord. Is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? This is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish, for I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. And when he prayed that to Jesus or to God, he knew he was praying to God. That was true. But we know that God's grace and mercy and slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. We know that is ultimately and completely found in the in the sacrifice of his son, Jesus Christ on the cross. And so if we skip chapter four, um, we're missing a great opportunity to teach our students the gospel. And this is why it's just important and helpful, I think, to teach full books of the Bible uh, to our students. So we're going to take a quick break. Um, as we're here in episode 28, thinking about teaching the Bible to students, Jonah, uh, chapters one to four. And when we come back, we'll think about some application for our students. I often hear grandparents say how glad they are that they don't have to raise kids in today's world. While these comments might not be very encouraging to those of us who are parents or who are doing youth ministry with kids today, they do recognize the fact that there are lots of confusing and dangerous cultural realities that kids need to navigate if they are going to be faithful disciples of Jesus Christ. In an effort to provide parents and youth workers with an easy-to-use tool designed to help kids find their way through the choices they face in today's world, I've written a new little book that can be used individually or in small groups, A Student's Guide to Navigating Culture. It's the shortest book I've ever written, but it's the one I believe will have the greatest impact in terms of discipling the emerging generations. If you want to teach your kids how to live in today's culture while following God's will and way, check out this new little book, A Student's Guide to Navigating Culture. You can learn more and order copies at cpyu.org. We're back here on episode 28 of the Word and Youth Ministry. Just want to remind our listeners as we jump back in here, if you have any um, any feedback for us, thoughts, comments, or suggestions for future topics of this podcast, you can send us an email at thewordinym at cpyu.org. That's thewordinym at cpyu.org. So here on episode 28, we're talking about teaching the book of Jonah to our students. And we're going to continue this conversation thinking about how this connects to Christ. And Matt is going to lead us in this next part. Yeah, one of the things that, that we find uh, really important to do with the Old Testament is to have a Christological reading or try to understand how this book of the Bible fits into the big story of Scripture that, that ultimately points to Christ. Uh, and um, one of the things that that's really beautiful about Jonah is most of the most of the prophets are calling out their own people. So God often sends prophets to call out like Israel and Judah. 
Um, but Jonah's calling uh, for repentance from outsiders, from the Ninevites. And, and uh, there's a couple of details in the book of Mark chapter four that actually connect Jonah and Jesus. So Jonah is in asleep in a boat when a great, uh, when a great um, storm comes on account of him. Jesus is asleep in a boat on a, uh, when a great storm comes, but Jesus's conscience is clean. He hasn't done anything wrong. Jonah's is obviously not. So, um, uh, uh, and they're both on a boat and they're both called to go and preach to outsiders. So Jesus is actually heading to the region of the Gerasenes across the seas of the Sea of Galilee here. And so there's some beautiful parallels there. And one of the things that you can do with that is say, look, um, Jonah was thrown into the, into the sea, but was rescued. He didn't die. But Jesus actually makes the Christological connection to himself. And I think it's Matthew chapter 12, um, where he uh, is three days in the belly of the, of the belly of the earth. Uh, he's the one who took the penalty that, that we deserve and that Jonah deserves, that Nineveh deserves, uh, and then rose, uh, rose again in his resurrection. So that's one of the ways that you can connect that. Matt, I wasn't planning on saying this, but as you were talking, it's just so helpful that uh, you just pointed us to how, how the Bible is literature and how literary connections can be found between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And this is why we just need to remind our students that when they're reading the Bible, um, that they need to pay attention and use the tactics that they learn in English class. I feel like I say that again and again, maybe on this podcast or to my students, but what you just said, that parallelism is something that our students can get better at so they can understand the Bible um, the Bible better. Linda, uh, what, what's your final thought on Jonah here as we're thinking about teaching it to students? You know, just other ways you can make connections to Christ. Um, one that I've seen is this idea that God would call Jonah a second time to do this ministry. Um, it's astounding to me that he would not only forgive Jonah, but that he would also say, and you know what, I still like I'm going to entrust ministry to you. Um, and it just reminds me a lot of ways of the account of um, after Peter has denied Jesus three times. And then, uh, you know, Jesus has died and then resurrected and he goes to Peter and calls him to feed his sheep and restores Peter in this like really beautiful way that reminds him of his denial, but also just gives him incredible grace um and that that's one other episode that i've kind of just walked students through slowly so they can get a little bit more understanding of how just incredible it is that god would even um call jonah again and they can see um just more of god's grace um to jonah and to the Ninevites, because god is being very compassionate towards both of them um you know the very end of the book is God's compassion to the Ninevites is very clear, um, but throughout the book too, God's compassion and mercy towards Jonah um, is also um, a really big part of that. Yeah, I think that that's helpful because again, this theme of compassion that's going through this book is one that we want to help our students know so that they can spot it in this book, but they can also spot it as they're reading um, the New Testament also. I think my closing two thoughts would be um, in chapter two is just such a reminder, Jonah is praying from the stomach of a fish. And so many times our students who are who are in desperate situations, who are walking in darkness, feel like if they were to be praying that God would maybe not hear them. But if God can hear Jonah praying from the stomach of a fish, 
I, I do not like eating fish. I don't like the smell of fish. He's literally in the stomach of a fish praying and God is hearing him that we can just remind our students that God will hear them no matter where they're at, no matter what they find themselves in, God will hear them in their prayer. Um, but second, I was just thinking about this. Another just thing that I would consider doing, maybe next time I'm teaching Jonah, I'll do this is um, if you or your students have a study Bible, I know um, I like to use the ESV student study Bible. Um, it would just be as you're working through Jonah is look at the cross references. The editors of the um, study Bibles spend a lot of time working on cross references and maybe throwing some of those out to students to find different verses throughout the Bible that are just tied in here to the book of Jonah. Just again, because what we're doing is we're teaching the students how the Bible fits together um, so that they have a greater picture of what God is doing from Genesis to Revelation. So um, if you have a good study Bible, uh, there are cross references um, that are already done for you. So you can find them ahead of time, throw them out to the students, and then see how, um, how the whole Bible is fit together here in the book of Jonah. So this has been episode 28. Um, just a reminder that Matt, Linda, and I um, have all and are teaching students uh, the Bible. And so that's as we're continuing in this podcast, the Word and Youth Ministry, we just want to encourage you to keep going. We know that sometimes teaching students can be really fun and exhilarating. Other times it can seem tiring and discouraging, but God is at work. Um, I was just reminded, thinking of a former student that I have, that I did not know what God was doing in his life. But now years later, he shared how something I taught God used it to transform his life. So this is God's word that we're teaching. And we just want to continue to encourage you, as our title says, the word in youth ministry, that we can build our youth ministries on the word. So this has been episode 28, teaching the Bible, teaching the book of Jonah. And we look forward to talking to you next time. Thanks for listening to the word in youth ministry. To learn more about CPYU and the resources mentioned on today's podcast, visit us online at cpyu.org.